When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to the Game Makers Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes to listen to how Ubisoft games are made. I'm Charles Adam Foster Simard from Ubisoft. We're continuing our series exploring the music of Assassin's Creed Valhalla with the game's three composers, discussing how they created music for the Viking era, melding traditional and modern instruments and techniques. In this episode, I spoke to Sarah Schachner about her work on the song The Sceptered Isle. Sarah is an American composer, producer, and multi-instrumentalist. She is not a newcomer to Assassin's Creed, having worked on the soundtracks for Assassin's Creed Black Flag, Unity, and Assassin's Creed Origins. But she says that she had dreamed of seeing the series go to the Viking era for a long time. Since she's worked on the franchise for so long, I wanted to start by asking her about how important it was to bring new sounds and ideas to each game. How is it to do like to, to follow a series like that through different games? And is it important for you, I guess, to to bring like a totally different vibe each time? Or are you also aware that you want to bring, you know, a similar sensibility to it because I mean you're you and it's still the same series? Like I'm just wondering how you generally kind of manage that aspect of it. I think I mean, I always want to put myself into what I'm doing. I can't imagine doing art and not having it be very personal. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's going to be common threads with just my taste and how I interpret things. And um, But the great thing about Assassin's Creed is that each game is a totally new slate. You get a whole new sound palette to pull from, a whole new collection of instruments to work with and harmonic language. You can, of course, do your own, inter- or I do my own interpretation. I'm not as concerned with being 100% accurate. I, You know, it's a game. It's a fantasy game. We're, it's supposed to be fun, so it's not a history t- exam. We're not getting PhDs, so like I'm, <laughs> I'm focusing a little more on the mood I'm trying to convey, the... Uh, tapping into the mental state of the player. And, you know, I definitely want to respect the history and the influences. And But, you know, I'm doing my interpretation of that. And I play, like, with playing the instruments, I think most people know that I'm a string player and that I play a lot of this stuff myself on all my scores. But in particular, Assassin's Creed, it's... Um, that skill definitely comes in handy with all the old rustic string instruments, and I love that so much. I basically just use... Each game is an excuse to buy a bunch of new instruments. <laughs> it's the, that's like that's the best. Well, and 
It's a combination because you also have that kind of really modern, um, like electronic aesthetic as well, right? So, and I think that that works so well for Assassin's Creed because there's the animus and the framing device that's more sci-fi. So, combining the like more traditional rustic elements with with that more modern electronic stuff. Yeah, combining the traditional rustic folk instruments with modern production, modern synths, analog synths, and um, just thinking about it through a modern lens. That's something I like to do. Like, even if I'm doing a game that has nothing to do with ancient history, I'll use these taggle harpers I bought on some other thing, you know? Yeah. It's just kind of a part of my natural process. And get it, it's not always easy to get these instruments and track them down, because I, bu- I bought a, a bass taggle harpa that... I found it's always a risk because I'm like buying some random instrument that's getting shipped from Russia. I have no idea if it's a legit or not. It took like over a month to get here. I finally got here and it was cool. And then I was like, okay, I got to get more Tagle Harpas. So then I got another one, like an alto, a higher pitched one that was luckily in California. But this was at the beginning of the pandemic. I was getting a second Tagle Harpa and the guy said it would take 15 days to make. He custom makes them. He'd make it and ship it. Made to order. Yeah, made to order. And then 15 days was turning into 30 days and 30 days was turning. It was just going on and on. And he kept saying it was going to be ready and it wasn't. I was getting so annoyed. And then he finally shipped it. And when it arrived, the lacquer on it was still wet. Like like he must have... He must have shipped it as soon as he finished it because it was literally like it had Whoa. saran wrap texture on it, but it sounded awesome, so it was all good. And that made it into the the soundtrack. You use you use that one um, for some of the tracks. I use that a ton because yeah, I mean, typically when you're working on something for a year, I'd say the first six months are a little more relaxed, a little more loose, kind of exploring sounds and figuring stuff out. And then once we hit six month mark, it's like okay, we got to buckle down and get a lot more music done. So like a huge amount of the music is done in the last couple months. It just, it's like ramps up and gets crazy. So even getting instruments halfway through their process, they still get used a lot. So I talked to Simon and Aldo from the from the Ubisoft side, but what what did they give you in terms of like a brief or in terms of material from the game, like you to to kind of know what you were composing to and and what the vibe was? So we get we get a lot of rough gameplay videos, and then I mean they're pretty organized about what they want from us. So it's like the whole game is broken out into tons and tons of assets. So. As much as I love to write very open-ended and freely and then figure out where it works, uh, with Assassin's Creed, it's a little more like I know what I have to write and what the queue has to do and how it needs to function. And so sometimes I will write more freely and then see um, where it's best fit. But mm. but I have a very clear idea of what they want, what they need. We brought back a lot of exploration music in this game. Mm-hmm. And so you're you're when you get into kind of light skirmishes, layers will come in right. on top of the track rather than a whole track starts or it's a totally different track. So it was a very um for the combat and exploration it was a layered approach. So you need to compose things that are layers that will sound good and make sense on their own and then also sound good together as the layers get added in or removed depending on what's happening. That's exactly it. And it's it's kind of like twice as much work per piece of music when that's the case. 
Um, and you were in charge, I, th- I believe you were more in charge of some of the um, places in England in the game? I did do a lot of the England stuff. I mean, as far as I know, Jesper and I, we everything was split very evenly. Like, we each did kind of the same amount of combat, same amount of exploration and everything. But I did seem to get a lot of the um, England regions. He did a lot of the Norse regions. Because obviously in the game, there's this progression. The player starts in Norway and then goes to England. And it's also about that blending of cultures in a way as they settle in England. So was it important for you also to kind of blend the more Viking Norse cultures with the um, sounds that were a little bit more English in that way? Exactly. Yeah, that was a big thing that I wanted to do. I mean, these cultures were really crashing together. And so for Viking... I was thinking more wild, raw, like the Karniks and um, things that were just felt more raw and um, uncontained. And then for the Anglo-Saxon and English stuff, I was thinking more, you know, more like controlled harmony and a lot of plucked things and um, maybe religious influences as well. So maybe we can dive into the separate aisle, which is a beautiful track. Um, and I was just wondering what kind of vibe and what was the general idea that you wanted to convey or the emotions you wanted to convey in that piece in particular? So I was reading this book called The Viking Wars. Um, you know, I felt like I needed to, as much as I loved Vikings as a kid, I wasn't really learning the actual history. So so I, I wanted to brush up on the history and just kind of dive in further and spark any additional inspiration other than just what I'm seeing in the game. So I was reading uh, a book and there was this one section that was talking about, you know, how brutal the raids were of the churches and the monasteries. And then the fact that many of the Viking leaders later converted to Christianity. So they ransacked these churches and just destroyed them and then it's it's like funny. It's sad, but it's funny that they later ended up converting. So I just thought that was a really interesting thing. And I wanted to represent that in the music by kind of smashing together Scandinavian Old Norse lyrics and more Western harmony that we, you would maybe hear in a church. And that's where the idea for the vocals came from. It sounds quite melancholy to me, this song. Like it's a little bit kind of sad and there is that kind of like liturgical church music vibe to it a little bit um the way you're describing it i'm thinking like it's almost like a converted norseman like thinking back on his young days right like almost like sad of what he did now that he's converted yeah just kind of foreshadowing the heaviness of that history because in the game you know these that track was originally just supposed to be like a 30 second enter region notify that you've discovered a new region and you know maybe the player is walking over a hill and kind of overlooking the the England area and this was for England specifically with a bunch of churches or something so I just wanted to give like more depth to it and have it kind of tap into a deeper history another layer to the experience and actually the lyrics I was looking at these old rune stones these viking rune stones that are planted all over and they have different inscriptions on them and I came across this one 
I think, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but it, the Car Levi or Car Levi, I'm not sure, rune stone, and it's from the 10th century uh, Scandinavian stone, and it, it's actually the oldest record of skaldic verse on one of these stones. Oh. And it it was kind of just honoring a chieftain or some Viking leader who had died in battle. Um, so I took the lyrics from that stone and took pieces of them um, and that's what's being sung but it sounds like it would come out of an English church. Who's singing in this uh, in this piece? Where did you get the voices from? Uh, well it, this was again during the pandemic so couldn't really do sessions. I'm singing and I forced my boyfriend begrudgingly who's not a singer to sing with me um, a little autotune going on in there to help us out. But um, so, yeah, we sung it together here at my house and um, made the best of it. <laughs> wow, that's so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, I mean, it sounds professional, so well done. Maybe. <laughs> he was so annoyed at first having to sing, but then once he heard it after I edited it and like, you know, made it sound good, he was like, oh, wow, that's. It's actually pretty good. And then he, I got him to sing on another thing after that. So it's pretty cool. So I have Einar's voice and my boyfriend Kyle's voice kind of sprinkled in different spots throughout the score. And uh, what about the other, the, the, the actual instruments that you're using in this song? Can you say a little bit more about your choice of instruments and how you're using them? So I think there's quite a lot of strings in this one. Yeah, there's um, some of the rustic taggle harpas. And I think I used my, vi- my regular violin as well. Um, they're supporting the vocals. The vocals kind of are like birthed out of the strings. And the strings kind of have this foreboding... Um, somber tone but also a sense of hope so like you know you've discovered you're looking out at this new region but it's it's tapping into that deeper history that's pretty dark And now, obviously, you're you're a whiz of the synth and and the like electronic effects and everything. So, although this one is quite quote unquote tame, maybe compared to other pieces. But what else in terms of the the synth and the the effects did you did you apply to this song? Yeah, actually, I think this might this song might not. Or actually, no, it does have it has like Voyager Moog Voyager bass in it, but it doesn't have any overt synths. Mm-hmm. I would say in general, this score probably has less overt synths than I typically tend to do. Um, you know, the Ubisoft, the audio team, they were really pushing for very Norse and very Anglo-Saxon stuff. I mean, of course, there's still going to be that crossover. And there are synths on other tracks and instruments used in ways that sound less traditional. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, on this particular track, that wasn't the place for it. What about the feedback when you send? So let's say you send a first version of a track to to the audio team. Do they get back to you with feedback usually, or like is there a, a little bit of back and forth? Oh yeah, always. Every single track gets sent in, tested in context, and then they give feedback. So it's like hundreds of pieces of music. I mean, it's a, it's a very big, long process. 
I remember when we first started the game, we were asked both yes or no because we were doing the um, exploration stuff, and we had to do music for hostile environments and then music for after you've conquered and subdued a region. And I think both Jesper and I were sending stuff in for hostile that sounded very ominous and dark. And they were like, this is way too ominous. So it ended up being that the hostile regions were supposed to feel a little more neutral. So um, that was interesting. Kind of adjusted oh. a little bit. Yeah. And I, I lo- what I love about this track, and, and Einar had a similar comment when I spoke to him, is how like it, so it was supposed to be a shorter thing. And then just because... For some reason, it like struck something in you. It became something bigger and a little bit maybe more produced or more intense than it was like meant to be at first. Yeah, I, I struggle a lot with like very short little snippets of things. I, it's like, how can I 30 seconds? You've just begun. You have, you've just started. And like, I, you know, I like things to breathe and have space and develop. And so, yeah, I do have a hard time when they're asking for a lot of really short individual things. I would much rather write like a much longer more meaningful suite and then kind of break it down. But this track was cool because, like, I was talking to the audio director when I sent it to him. I was saying how... Because the voices... We could have ended it right after the string thing because that's kind of how long the track was supposed to be anyway. And I went off a bit on a tangent because I was excited by that book I was reading. So, you know, I sent this in. I had to give a disclaimer, like, uh, I kind of went off on a thing and I was trying to merge these things and the lyrics on the stone. And I was saying how it would be cool if if maybe the voices could be triggered somehow when you kind of are near a church. And Aldo, he was like, oh my God, I can put a trigger in. Like there's all these monasteries and monks coming out of churches. And he said he put a trigger in where when you're near that, some of the voices do play. But but I love that type of collaboration with like implementation. And I don't get to do it a lot on AAA games. They kind of have it on lockdown a lot. But um, those moments where you do get to collaborate. Find The Sceptered Isle by Sarah Schachner on the Assassin's Creed Valhalla original game soundtrack, published by Ubisoft Music and Lakeshore Records. It's available now wherever you get your music. I'm Charles Adam Foster Simard from Ubisoft. This episode of Game Makers was edited by Manu Bachet. Special thanks to Simon Landry and Anne Langourieux from Ubisoft Music and to Assassin's Creed Valhalla's audio director, Aldo Sampeo. Remember to subscribe to Game Makers and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.